Well, good morning. How are we doing this morning? Good, good, good. Hey, well, I just want to say it's super cool to be back here. And um, first of all, before I dive into anything, I just want to tell each and every one of you, thank you so much for praying for us. We've genuinely felt the prayers, and it's just been so cool to see what God's done in this church and even in our lives through this whole process. But I have a thought that I want to share with you guys today, and I've kind of centered the entire thing around this thought. It's something that God's really been doing in us, and I believe, if we'll let it, that it can do something really deep inside of us. So before we dive into this, let's just go ahead and pray. Father God, I thank you for every single person in this room. God, I thank you for what you're going to do. I know some of us are on many different levels of the spectrum. Some of us are dealing with loss. Some of us are dealing with pain. God, some of us are dealing with heartbreak, and we don't know what to do. Maybe we're in this unknown season, and we don't feel like you're good. It's, it's hard for us to trust you right now. But God, I just pray that you begin to shatter those things and that you would begin to do what you're best at. God, that you would prove yourself to us, that you are a good father, regardless of the circumstances that we're going through. God, we may not understand the why, we may not understand why we're walking through it or why we're going through it. God, we also pray that the saints would win. Amen. Um, So, (laughs) not that I really care, to be honest with you. So I want to start off with a thought, and I genuinely believe that if you can understand, I'm going to unpack this, and it may make a little, it may not make sense in the beginning, but hopefully by the end it will. And the thought is this, I think that the most of our misery comes from our certainty, that most of our misery comes from our certainty. And, And here's what I mean by that. We have these plans and these directions that we want to go in. We even have these plans that we submit to God and we say, God, here's A, B, and C. I need you to fall in line. And we're so certain with our vision, with our plan for our life, and inevitably God usually derails that, doesn't he? He usually takes us a different path. The best way that I can explain it is to give you an example. Um, If you ever buy a house that's a fixer-upper. My wife and I did this about six years ago. And you have this fixer-upper house. You can buy it at a cheaper price. And then you can go in and you you do the work yourself and you hire out people. Um, But when we bought this fixer-upper house, I had so much vision for this house. It had like that, you know, that Berber carpet, but it looked like about 2,000 dogs had thrown up on it. You know, we're like, okay, we're going to pull out the carpet. It's got beautiful wood floors underneath it. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And you have this remodel. You have this vision, this plan of how you want it to work out. There's only one problem. You're not an architect. You know nothing about flooring. (laughs) You know nothing about the roof. You know nothing about the structure of the house, but you have a vision. You have a plan, right? And then the architect comes in and he says, okay, excuse me, sir. Listen, I know you have a vision. I know you want to keep this wall here, and I know you want to do this to the floors, but there's one problem. The the walls are structurally unsafe, and we're going to have to tear them down. There's one problem. I know you want to keep that floor, but if you keep that floor in about two years, you're going to fall through that floor. It's structurally not safe. It's not sound. And then so all of a sudden, here's what happens. The vision and the plan that you had for this project now becomes your misery. (laughs) The certainty that you had for this vision of how you wanted it to look and how you wanted the walls to go and how you wanted the floors to be. And this architect comes in and he just screws all of that up. 
And all of a sudden, your vision, your excitement that you had for this project turns into, oh my God, I'm left with a mess. And all of a sudden, you begin to lose that vision. You begin to lose that wonder that you had for this house. And you go, why in the heck did I buy this piece of junk? Right? Now you're left with not just this amazing vision, but now you feel like you're left with this mess. Does it feel like life sometimes? You had this plan, you had this idea of how you thought life was going to go because you were certain that God was going to honor your plans. <laughs> you, you were certain that you submitted your list to God. Okay, God, I need you to do this. And then when you do this, then we're going to do this. And God's like, I don't like that plan. Let's do this. And you're like, no, 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 God, come back to me. Come back to me. Let's, let's go this way. So you begin to curse this house, right? I can't believe I'm dealing with this mess. This architect's going to come in. He's going to destroy these walls. He's going to destroy this house. And then you look at it, and it's all in shambles. And everything that you've invested your life into, now it looks like this mess. And you go, what the heck is going on? Surely God is not in this, right? Surely, and this is what we do. What do we do? Surely I made a mistake, and I didn't hear God. What if you did? But the plans and the vision for your life, God needed to take you on a detour because the plan and the vision that you had for your life was not God's plan and vision for your life. You know what I've learned in the past year is God is not a destroyer. We think he is. You ever feel like God just comes into your life and he just starts flipping tables over and you're like, God, what the heck are you doing, dude? Doesn't, and, and you, you, let's be honest, you ask the honest question like, God, I know you're good, but it surely doesn't feel like it. Does it ever frustrate you when you're in that season of life and somebody comes along and they put their hand over you and you're like, God is just so good. You're like, get off of me. <laughs> get off of me because I don't feel like it, right? But here's what I've learned. God is not a destroyer. He's a rebuilder. And in order to rebuild something, he has to destroy something. In order to rebuild something in your life, oftentimes he takes your plan and says, listen, that's a good plan, but I have a better one. That's a good dream. That's a good vision, but I have a better one. But here's what ends up happening. We have this vision. We have this dream. And what do we do? We marry this vision. We marry this dream. And we say, God, this is my plan. This is my vision. So obviously it must be yours, right? You were certain that God was going to carry out your plan. You were certain that God was going to carry out your vision. And surely God would honor those things, right? Nope. (laughs) Usually not. Usually the vision that you have for your life, God usually takes us on a detour. So the question that I have for you this morning is this. What if the vision you have for your life doesn't play out like you thought it would? Can you still make a decision in that moment, even though God didn't honor your vision, even though God didn't honor your plan? Can you still honor God in that moment? Can you still believe that he's good? Can you still believe that he's faithful? Because what if, what if, just think about it this way. What if God is purposely trying to take you on a detour because he has bigger dreams than you have? What if his plan is better than your plan? What if his vision is better than your vision? It's interesting to me that as human beings, we attach ourselves to our plans so quickly. It's fascinating because if your life is anything like mine, as soon as I start making a plan, God usually rearranges it. God usually takes me on a detour. Now, the bigger question is this. Why does he do that? You ever ask that? Like, God, why did my neighbor 
get born into a rich family, and I got born into this family, <laughs> right? <laughs> Why did they get like the better end of the draw in life, and I'm stuck with this? Why do they have the perfect marriage, and I'm just stuck with it? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Why does God do that? Is it because he's mean? Is it because he's far removed from your situation and he doesn't know what you're fighting through and he doesn't know what you're going through? Why does he do it? I think there's two reasons he does it. The first one is this. Our plans are usually safe. And God doesn't get to show off through our safe plans. (laughs) Our plans are usually safe. So God says, hey, I want you to take a trip into the unknown. And you say, well, well, I will eventually. <laughs> I just need to build up some courage before I get there. Because our plans are usually safe. We, we take calculated risks, right? We'll take a calculated risk. Well, I'll dive into this if I know that God's going to meet me in this. I want to point something out to you. Maybe you've heard this scripture growing up in church, but I want you to notice one thing that really sticks out. And hopefully it gives you some insight on the way and the reason and why God does some of the things that he does. It's in Jeremiah 18, three through four, and it's a metaphor. It says, so I went down to the potter's house. Now keep in mind, the metaphor, the potter is Jesus in this metaphor. We are the clay in the metaphor. So I went down to the potter's house and saw him working with clay at the wheel. So listen, just keep in mind, this is, you. This is God working on your life. He's, he has his hands on it. He's shaping you. He's molding you. He's doing something. He was making a pot from clay. But watch this. But there was something wrong with the pot. There was something wrong with the pot. Now watch this. This is super important. Did the potter go, oh, there's a hole in it. So I'm going to just take some more clay and patch it up. Nope. How many of you know sometimes we just want God to do that? We want a quick fix. Anybody ever want that? Like, God, oh, my marriage is struggling. Just give me a quick fix. Like, God, oh, my finances are struggling. Just give me a quick fix. I just, if you'd start imagining, like, if I could just win the lottery, then everything would be great. No, the reason you're probably struggling in finances is because you keep buying lottery tickets. Just saying. <laughs> like, God, if I could just do this, then this, and we want quick fixes in our culture, don't we? Man, if I could just get a quick fix to my depression, if I could just get a quick fix to my stress, if I could just get a quick fix to my anxiety, quick fixes don't work. But I love what this verse says. Watch this. But there was something wrong with the pot. So watch. So the potter used that clay. Watch this. Here's what he did. He didn't band-aid it. He goes, oh, there's a defect in the clay. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take the same clay that I've been molding and I'm going to smash it down. I'm going to smash it down, and I'm going to make an entirely different pot out of the same clay. With his hands, he shaped the pot. Watch this. The way what? He wanted to. This is hard. This is super hard because here's what happens. Anytime God wants to do something significant in your life, hear me on this. He's going to smash you down. And how many of you know in the smashing, in the crushing, you're going, ah, (laughs) Like, why didn't you just fix the little hole in the pot? Like, why do you have to start over? And God has to start over because he's not a destroyer. He's a rebuilder. He said, if we would have kept building that pot with that defect, eventually it would have leaked. Eventually it would have broke. And it would have never been the pot that we anticipated in the beginning. 
So God has to reshape it. So could it be the mess that you're dealing with in your life right now is actually an opportunity for God to create something new? That God is creating something new. See, I don't know if you've realized this yet or if you've lived long enough to realize this, but certainty is an illusion. Certainty and safety is not the gospel. It's just not. Listen, there are, there's only about two things in this life that I'm certain of. I am certain that God exists, and I am certain that he loves me, and that's about it. And a lot of pastors will stand up here and pretend that they have all the answers to the, the biggest theological questions in the world, and the truth is they don't know. We can dive into all these things. Well, I think, God, this was intention. We don't know. So th- there's only about two or three things that we're certain of in this life. But here's the problem. We end up marrying our certainty to our plans and how we think life is supposed to go. And you were six years old, and you watched a Disney movie, and you're like, that's what my marriage is going to be like. Probably not. <laughs> right? Because life gets messy, and it's just like the house. You buy the fixer-upper, and then all of a sudden, they have a wall that breaks, right? And it's not romantic, and it's not perfect. You've got to learn how to walk through this process. The second reason I think God does this is I am confident that God would rather us embrace mystery than certainty. Because hear me on this. In the mystery is where we truly discover God, not in the certainty. And I think too many of us have based our relationship with God on being married to certain issues. I said this in the first service, and I think we have to be really careful of this. And this may not, I don't, theologically, this may land somewhere else, but I don't pastor this anymore, so I'll let Pastor Josh clean up later, okay? Um, But I think sometimes there's a danger in this. There's a danger in rushing God. So here's what we do in church. A lot of times we go, listen, heaven and hell are at stake and you, made, you need to make a decision right now. Raise your hand. Are you going to follow God? And you're like, oh, well, I guess I'll follow him, but my marriage is still falling apart, so what do I do? Or, oh, I guess I'll follow him, but my dad just died and I don't understand why and I'm pretty angry at him. What if God, because it actually says this in the scriptures, that he is slow to anger, that he is patient with us, What if God actually wasn't afraid of your questions? What if there was actually room to doubt? What if there was actually room to question? What if there was actually room to look at this whole thing and go, I'm not sure if I believe this. And God, I don't know if you're good in this area and I need you to show up. Because this is what I'm dealing with and I have some doubt in here. This is what 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says. For we walk by faith and what? Not by sight. Listen, in the church today, we, we have turned faith into this really clean thing, right? Just have faith in God. Faith is super messy. The only way that you enact genuine faith, can I just tell you something, is you do it extremely terrified. You do it scared. I wish I could tell you that we made this big jump and this leap in the Tennessee and everything was just like, we're just so, cl-. I was terrified. And there's still days that I wake up, I'm like, oh my God, what are we doing? It's scary. But if you want to live a certain life where you know all the pieces of the puzzle, you will live a miserable life. Because you're going to put the puzzle pieces down and God's going to remove one. (laughs) You're going to put them down and he's going to take another one out. Why does he do this? Because it's in the mystery that we discover him and find him. It's in the wrestling. It's in the doubt. 
It's in the not understanding why he's doing some things. What does it do? It causes us to go out and seek him. But if you're not careful, the enemy will make you distant and go, well, God doesn't love me, so I don't need to seek him, and I'm angry at him, so I'm going to distance myself. When really, in reality, what God is doing, he's inviting you into a deeper level of who he is. I read a quote yesterday by Gary Boyd, and it says this. I think this sums up what faith really is. It says, the faith that God's people are called to embrace is one that encourages people to wrestle with God. To not be afraid of questions and to watch this, act faithfully in the face of uncertainty. Can you walk through devastating parts of life and still say God is good? Can you walk through the hardest seasons of your life and say, you know what, I'm still going to choose to have faith. So let me give you an example when we finally made the decision, okay, we're going to move to Nashville to start this business, there's excitement, there's fear, there's us being, okay, one of our sayings that Claire and I had is, we're going to do this, but we're going to do it scared. <laughs> we're going to do it scared. I think we over-glamorize it sometimes, like, yeah, we just went out and we charged and then nothing went wrong. Like, sometimes the faith that God calls you to do is like doing it scared. You're going to be terrified. So we had this conversation on, before we moved, and we said, okay, so we're starting this business. We had some money saved. We don't know what month to month is going to look like. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to be very cautious with our finances. So Claire like quickly crossed off my coffee budget, and I was like, no, 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 can't do that one. <laughs> but, but we had to, and I'm like griping the whole time, you know. And so I'm like, okay, I'm in. I'm all in. We're going to be cautious. We're going to be careful. We're going to be good suit. We're going to be wise. And so we drive up that day in this big old Penske truck, and the truck has to be delivered, I mean, returned back to the place the next day. So we only, we drive all day, get to Tennessee like around 4 p.m., and we have to unload the entire truck that night. And so we unload, and it's about 11.30. We're finally done. And we realize, you ever had that feeling where you're like, man, something just feels off? And it was, we were starving. We hadn't eaten yet. And everybody gets to that point where you're so hungry, you're like, you're, about, you're just about to lose it. You know what I'm talking about? And so we're so hungry. We just finished unloading all this stuff. And then all of a sudden we're like, shoot, we're going to have to break our rule. We said that we weren't going to spend money on fast food. And now here I am. I'm going to have to go spend money on fast food, Right? And so I'm like, all right, it's 1130. Where am I going to find something? And then I see this steak and shake open. It's like the glory of God. It's over it. And I'm like, oh, my God, thank you. It's still open. So I drive up, and I'm, I'm feeling guilty about it, right? I'm feeling guilty because we had just committed to, like, we got to save money. We can't spend money on dumb things. But at the same time, we're like, we got to eat. And how many know I'm driving up, and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to buy the cheap stuff. But when you're hungry, like... So I'm like, I'm just going to do the small bread. I order, and the lady's like, what would you like? I'm like, I need a double cheeseburger with extra large fries and a large Coke. You know? And I'm saying it. I'm like, what am I doing? That's like the most expensive thing on the menu, right? And so I'm driving around. I'm like, God, what am I doing? I'm feeling, but I'm like, we have to eat. We're going to have to spend this money on this. And I drive up, and the lady hands me the food. You know sometimes at fast food when it's like you order it, and then you come around the drive through and it's already there. You're like, something is really wrong with this picture, right? And she hands me the food, and she says, have a good night. So what do you mean, have a good night? I haven't even paid you yet. She says, oh, the car in front of you, uh, of you paid for it. So, but, but here's what I want you to see in this. 
It was just a small little thing. But I want you to understand this is what faith really is. Faith is not like God goes, here's the step, and then when you take this step, here's the next one, and here's what it's going to look like. Faith is like this. God goes, go. What are the details, God? Uh, God? (laughs) What are the details, God? He's silent. He's quiet. And then you start going, oh, man, shoot. I don't know if we're supposed to do this. It's like the house that you just bought, right? The house that you wanted to renovate, and then they come in and they say you got to take out all the walls. And you're like, oh man, maybe this was a mistake. But that's faith. It's doing it. We walk by faith and what? Not by sight. This is the essence of the gospel. God never promised us safety. It's an illusion. So God says, if you want to enact genuine faith, some of you have some dreams and some visions in your life that have just absolutely died because you're terrified. I I, want to set some of you free this morning, and hopefully God speaks to you on this. You will not always have a peace about doing what God has called you to do. Sometimes you're going to walk into it, and you go, I'm pretty sure this is what God told us. I'm not 100% sure, and I'm terrified. Some of it, some people looked at us and they're like, man, what are you doing? You're taking a, you have six kids, Zach. You can't take this kind of risk. Because here's what we want to do in our culture. We want to quantify every risk, right? We want to calculate it. Well, you should only be able to take the risk. Says who? What if there's some dreams in your life and the reason that you're miserable is because you're anchoring your life to certainty? Well, at least I'm getting the paycheck. Yeah, but you hate your job. Yeah, you're, you're paying your rent, but you are miserable. I mean, yeah, you're making it, but barely because you don't like what you're doing. What if God is calling you to something bigger, but the reason that you won't take the leap is because you're scared? It's because you're scared. Another story, this, so the food thing happens, and I, I get the food, and this lady, when she tells me this, I grab the bag, and I'm like crying like a baby. This, she's, I'm, She's like, it's just a burger. I'm like, shut up. You have no idea what's going on in my life. (laughs) What was it? It was like God met us in that moment. Two days later, Peter and Caroline are in our living room. And Peter grabs Caroline by the arm. They were playing different things. He grabs Caroline and he spins her around with one arm. And I hear her screaming in her arms like this. (laughs) So as a father... Every father has a special, like, I love my boys, but my girls, it's just totally different. I'm sorry. So I look at him, and I see her arm. First of all, I'm like, Peter, go tell your mother you love her, because it's the last day you'll ever live. <laughs> like, I'm about to kill you. <laughs> and her arm's kind of like, and she keeps holding it. Long story short, we have to take her to the hospital. He had dislocated her arm. They got to pop it back in. So I'm thinking, and listen, we had just moved from Louisiana to Tennessee. We're in the middle of transitioning our insurance. So at this point, like, there's a phase where I got no insurance. I'm like, shoot. I'm going to be in the mail. I'm going to be getting, like, a bajillion-dollar check. I mean, a bajillion-dollar bill, right? Two days later, after resetting her arm, they had this pool in her neighborhood. They have a deeper pool, and then they have, like, this kid pool that's maybe a foot and a half deep. And Caroline jumps in the pool, straight leg, toddler fracture on her leg. And, and Claire and I are like, what the heck is going on? Dislocated arm. She does this. I'm like, what is next? And all of a sudden we're thinking, okay, here's thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars of medical bills. What the heck is, why did we move here? Right? 
then you start questioning the vision and the plan and the dream that God gave you. Like, well, certainly this wasn't a God vision. Maybe this was just something we wanted. Maybe, I don't know. So anyway, long story short, if you know anything about my wife, she is extremely determined. So she goes up to the hospital and she says, hey, listen, we're in between, like, insurances. Our insurance just kicked in here in Tennessee. Is there any way that we could add that to the, to the Tennessee insurance? And she said, no, we don't cover, like, pre-existing things. Um, she said, but sometimes when you're in between that, if you can show that you have insurance, sometimes, you know, the hospital will give you a break. They'll, they'll let you pay, like, you know, a month. You can pick whatever fee you want. I'm like, well, we're paying a dollar a month. That's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life if I have to. And uh, about a week later, you know, Claire and I, every time you go check the mail, you're like, oh, God, oh, God, ah. I check the mail. The first bill comes in, $850. I'm like, oh, God. Next bill comes in, $200. Uh, so I'm like, oh, it's just going to keep coming. We get a letter back about a week and a half later and say, hey, we reviewed your case. Here's your current balance. It says zero. So, so, but here's what I want you to understand. Oftentimes, when you follow what God has for you, there's going to be these, these things that kind of stand in the way that seems like what you're doing is opposition. But here's what it is. It's not opposition. It's really going, well, Zach, you said you were going to trust me. Do you really? Do you, do you really trust me here in this moment? Because here's the truth. Genuine faith? It's messy. And we glamorize it here in the church. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we've turned faith into this like name it, claim it kind of deal. That's not what faith is. Faith isn't even safe. Faith is sometimes you questioning that God even called you to this thing in the first place and you not really knowing what's going to happen. But going, you know what, God, you called me to this. And this is what genuine faith is. And I said this in the first service and hopefully this helps you. Faith is God speaking to you about something and then you somewhat feeling confident about it, but you're still a little scared about it. And then you go, well, God, I don't know what's on the other side, but here's the truth. You actually do. You actually do know what's on the other side because if God's called you to it, he's on the other side of it. He's on the other side waiting for you and he's going to be silent until you take the step. And then you take the step and God's like, here I am. You're like, God, why didn't you show up like three days ago where I needed you? He's like, well, if I did, you would have never took the step. That's what genuine faith is. Matthew 6, 25 through 27 puts it this way. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Watch this. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in any barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Watch this. Are you not much more valuable than they? And I love verse 27. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? How many of you lost some sleep over worrying? And the scripture says, can any of you add a single hour to your life by doing such things? I don't know about you, but I've never seen a stressed out squirrel. <laughs> Why? Because God goes, hold on, time out, guys. Look at the flowers of the field.